Welcome to Black and White, a place where we educate, advocate and amplify Indigenous knowledges, ways of being and thinking. It is an opportunity to bridge the gap and translate between two worlds, initially for educators but more importantly allies and people who want to listen, learn, unlearn and relearn. A place that removes fear and answers those questions one is afraid to ask where we walk together on a learning journey. Bayajul Budri Yagaragu Yora Yora Nura Burang Bayajul Budri Yagaragu Burangan Burani Yagu Barubagu Yoragu Bayajul Budri Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Yora Noragu Bimal Wayangagu I speak well of the Yagara people the people belonging to this country where we record the podcast. I speak well of the old ones, past, present, and the future people. I speak well of my elders, of my ancestors, of the Darug people, as well as all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people towards country and Mother Earth. I acknowledge and I recognise all Indigenous people across the world. Welcome back to Black and White. Another week done and dusted. Um, got my wife here, Tammy. How are you, Tam? Warami, uh, Budri Bayadunya. I am good, or Budri. Yep. How was your week? Uh, it's been a busy week. I have been lucky to go into a couple of schools and work with some incredible teachers who are making some significant uh, headways into being amazing allies and that's been really warming and um, working with the gurung or the children um, and seeing their inquisitive nature and this thirst for trying to understand who Aboriginal people are, what our history is and understanding those cultural practices. So that's been really cool. Is, it, is there many um, Indigenous kids in that classroom or that space you, you're in? or oh, A couple of different spaces. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, remember the, the population uh, for what we now call Australia is, you know, working its way towards 4%. And so that's, you know, probably reflective of the classrooms I've been in. Um, I suppose my question was... Um, better way to ask that were the kids um receptive of the knowledge that you were you were saying like the the you're breaking down the history um that they well i suppose those kids wouldn't know the history being younger Mm. but you're breaking that down and retelling yeah the truth now in a way were they they're receptive of that absolutely i was um were they enthralled by that like yeah, and look, I, I only speak about my own history, my mob's history. Um, I don't have the cultural authority to speak on behalf of all mobs. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. And particularly when we, we talk about language and the role language played and the importance of language, um, you know, kids love speaking traditional tongue. Um, yeah. And, and finding out the words, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're really 
inquisitive and curious and um, that's really nice to see. Do you think getting this next generation and teaching them from a young age will change our societal values? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, These children are our next generation of leaders in our country. And so imagine the impact we can have um, in, in setting them up with a truer understanding of our nation's history, a more accurate understanding of what systems and structures are in place currently and how they don't serve all individuals well. Um, and, and having this critical and constructive lens, a real solutions focused, I, I see in the young ones around how do we do better? Yeah, I, I noticed that. In, um, like I go back to sport all the time, but young kids now, the coaches tell them, this is what I want you to do. And back in my day, you just did it or you mm. got an ass kicking. Today, it's more... Um, I want you to do this and they ask the question why and you have to explain to them why and if you can explain to them why the the processes or what you do is this is why you do it the significance of it that then they go they go okay yep and they accept that and then they 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 do it or they follow it they follow your instructions or they absolutely significance yeah I, i think we're in a state and a phase of our life at the moment where We have a great opportunity and it can be extremely powerful if we provide the next generations, our next elders, our next leaders, with all the necessary tools, knowledge, understanding, so that they can make informed choices. You know, we don't know what we don't know. So let's make sure that they have that knowledge particularly around Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, the cultures, the history, and and make sure there's a real accurate level of truth-telling. And if we don't know, state we don't know, and how we might be able to find it out and go on a journey together. I'm not expecting educators, for example, to have all the answers. That's that's ridiculous. That's absurd. Yeah. We're not supposed to be experts in every single field. Even primary teachers who teach more than one uh, KLA or key learning area, they're not experts in everything. But it's about being humble, and we talk about leading with humility. It's about being humble to go, I don't know, let's discover this together and going on a learning journey together. That's powerful to be able to show children that we can learn together. Yes, it is uncomfortable. Yes, it's challenging. Yep. But the, the, the good that can come from that far outweighs the uncomfortability. Yeah. And, you know, I was having a conversation with a leader during the week and um, they were expressing some of the challenges they were experiencing in their school setting. And one of the things I said to him was, inaction is an action. Yeah. So failure to address this, failure to take a step, is just perpetuating the same things that have been done to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people 
in our history. Yeah, and it's it, for non-Indigenous people or people like me that want to break it down simply, like I've said, you, you go back to that sporting mentality. If your team's on the bottom of the ladder, well, an inaction to do anything is an action, and you're mm. just going to stay there, aren't you? You're not going to mm. progress forward, so... But it is... I, I understand it is quite scary to take that first step. It is quite scary to take a step knowing that it's most likely going to be a failure, um, or it's going to be difficult and uncomfortable. Um, but I guess when you're committed to the task, to the purpose and the function of what you're trying to achieve, and in this case, we're talking about reconciliation and, and addressing some of the systemic injustices and, and the failures that continue to exist in the education system... That's why we're doing it. That's the purpose. Yeah. Like when we do those things, look at what we can do. Look yeah, exactly. at what we can provide for the next generation, the learnings that can happen. Yeah, that's right. Um, How was your week? What's oh, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty good. Um, not too much to, to say on what I was doing, but... Um, yeah, changing gears here, I suppose. There was... I saw the... We've got the Soccer World Cup on at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, someone was telling me they went to the game, um, Australia-Nigeria, the women's game, 50,000 people there, um, doing a welcome to country. That's Eddie Rusk, is it? That mm. does, yeah, he does Rusk the yeah. welcome to country here. Um and inside, I don't know if it happened on TV because I missed the start of that game, but inside the stadium, in the middle of Welcome to Country, they panned to our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, and the whole crowd booed, apparently. Mm. So I, I don't know if Eddie Rusker um, thought they were booing him or the Prime Minister. I don't know if he saw that, and I don't know if it was on TV, but that's just... Well, I'd, like to, I'd like to know why we were panning to our Prime Minister during a welcome to country. Well, that's the, that's the cameraman, isn't it? Or Channel 7 or whoever, whoever's televising that. They've made that decision to pan to him. But now, I think why? that just goes to illustrate the lack of cultural awareness to think that that would be an option during that time. The lack of respect there's no respect there at all and and i think this adds also to something that my mob experienced during the week darug bog from um sydney area the matildas had the opening game and um god who was that against i can't even remember now but the the darug against ireland oh that's right yeah, yeah. the, the darug people uh iora uh, which is the name for people, opened it up with a welcome to country and had a beautiful choreographed performance that they had been practicing and worked so hard on. And yet, if you were watching on Channel 7, all you saw was three commentators talking about the welcome to country with it in the background. Yeah, that, was, that was ridiculous. Speaking around how wonderful 
the commitment to Indigenous peoples is for this World Cup and how the governing body has used or is using it as a social movement change. Yeah, so it wasn't FIFA that caused this issue. It was Channel 7 that caused the issue. Now, FIFA are letting Australia use their Indigenous language. So I see that on billboards in Brisbane, we're using the Indigenous term for Brisbane, which is... Mianjin. Mianjin. So it says, welcome to Brisbane Mianjin. Right. You know, so there's all these signs up. So FIFA are doing the right thing. But the coverage... The coverage is pathetic, and that's an Australian coverage. It's a free-to-air situation. So Optus Sport televised the whole welcome to country. It was beautiful, and I thank Optus for that. Yeah. But for our mob who are not paid subscribers... Yeah. Now the pa- we couldn't see it. Yeah, now, and, and paid subscribers, I'm not making a generalisation here, paid subscribers sometimes are a little bit more affluent, maybe. I well, mean, that's not... I don't know if that's no, accurate, but put it this way, it's a cost. And how many more yeah. subscriptions do we as, you know, consumers need to have? Yeah. Um, and looking at it last night, I think it's like seven bucks a month or something i don't even know that might be just an introduction or special sort of package going on at the moment for optus but that's not the point no the problem was our free to air channel channel seven yeah were commentating speaking over the welcome to country and the performance well, we didn't see it yeah which was happening in the background you could see it in the background as these commentators are talking about social change. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. But then, then last night I was watching the Rugby Union on Channel 9. Mm. And we had Australia versus New Zealand. And I talked about the Haka a couple of weeks ago. And this was the right moment. Context. Context. Yeah. So was, we did a welcome to country. Two anthems are sung and then... New Zealand do their haka. First time I've ever seen this, we actually almost blended the two cultures. Not blended is not the right word, but... We recognise and, and acknowledge. Accept, yeah. So the captain or one of the people from the Australian team, as the haka started, and it's quite... I, I, this is the wrong term again. I see it as a... Sometimes it, it looks confronting and violent. Like, it's mm. like, wow. The Australian player went up to them mid-haka and laid a boomerang in front of them as a peace offering and nodded his head and, and stepped backwards. The haka continues. They did the one where, at the end, they stick their tongue out and they, they do the slit the throat, you know, notion. Mm. And um, after the haka was done... The New Zealander accepted the boomerang and acknowledged the Australian Yeah, so team. it's built on respect and, and it's this reciprocity. You yeah. Know, we, it, we tell our story, you tell your story, and, and first we respect time I've ever seen that, through that process. Because usually it's just a, the haka slitting of the throat and then it's like, get out of our turf. But it was an acceptance of both teams, which was... And, and do yeah, you know awesome. that there is actually many 
different types of hackers. Yes, heaps. Um, and and that's something that I've learned from my um, Maori brothers and sisters. Yeah. Uh, Fanu. They tried to take that. I think the one they did last night. I'm not a hundred percent sure on this. But they didn't like using it for a while because at the end, I don't think this is the right terminology I'm using, but they get their thumb, they stick their tongue out and they almost like a slitting of the throat, mm. which, you know, I don't know what that represents. I'm not, no, I, I'm not familiar but, enough um, to know the story. I think for a while they didn't want them to do that because it was, you know, condoning violence almost. Have they seen what's on video? Yeah, I, and I days? think that's why now they've gone, no, it's a traditional. But it's... It, I come back to it, it's built on the notion of respect, of reciprocity, of humility, of strength. Yeah. And so once you understand the story behind these traditional dances and performances, yeah. you start to develop a little bit more appreciation and acknowledgement um, around that. And that's yeah. where I was just blown away when I heard that our mob was so disrespected by Channel 7, particularly in this instance, Yeah. Um, that's not allyship. That's no. certainly not a commitment to reconciliation, speaking over a welcome and not even showing it, but then to talk about this is a social change movement. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. Why, Why? you know, what was it? Did you say Channel 9 was... Well, Channel 9 televised... Channel and Nine, panning longest, yeah. to Anthony Albanese. Oh, no, it was Channel 7 that oh, did sorry. that. Yeah. Again, so, there we but, go. Yeah, but Channel 9 was the one that showed the harker and the, they showed the whole thing. And, you know, that creates a movement, doesn't it? Yeah, well, so. you know, unless we talk about these things and unpack it, I don't think people are critically aware or are recognising what is meant by those actions yeah. or what isn't helpful yeah what are harmful behaviors you know so i guess that's why i was glad that we we just sort of spoke about it yeah anyway enough rambling on from me um what did you want to talk about this week so i wanted to sort of round out our conversation on allyship i want to first state that these are responsibilities we could go into each one far deeper than what we are, but it's just a brief introduction. There's many behaviours that underpin each responsibility that, that talk how you are being a good ally. Yep. So we just kind of skimmed across the top. And the last one that we really want to talk about is that commitment to contribution. Um, so in order to do that, we need to know who we are one's own identity you're talking about non-indigenous people yeah absolutely yeah. who we are what makes us us um where you're from what's your connection to your place and why that is yeah and then what is your purpose what is your why and how you are adding value yeah because when you know who you are you appreciate others more. Yeah. You appreciate the skills, the strengths, the assets that others are. You yeah. value them more. And as Indigenous people, we each had a role in community. Yeah. And we still do. Yeah. We, we work to our strengths. And, you know, if we 
think about totems, right? Um, the whole concept of totems, and that could be an animal, um, a plant, lots of different things a totem can be for an individual, for a clan, a family totem. The whole notion is that we are responsible for the survival of that thing. We are responsible for caring for it, for making sure there is a future for it. And if something fails in that systemness for that thing, whatever it is, then we're held account. Okay. So in order to enact that responsibility, you need to know where you are in that path. You need to know who you are, what your strengths are, and what you bring. And so a good ally will understand their identity, will understand their place in their world, in their country, yeah. and what they can bring. You know, we, we don't have to be everything to everyone which i almost feel like is this western capitalist view of things where you have to be good at everything there's this notion of perfection yeah that it's underpinned by status again but the reality is when you try and be everything to everyone you take away others powers yeah you take away another person's ability to grow and contribute. You prioritise yourself over others. Well, I, I think um, I'm going to go off track here again. But I don't, I don't have a connection to, because um, I'm not Indigenous or anything, to, to that culture. But for me, my I, I, I have a strong connection to where I came from is my hometown of Bundaberg and that's not so much because of the town but my connection back to my athletics club so you know I I feel like that's my identity and culture and that's where I came from but it's what makes you you yeah so I I joined that club when I was say 10 or 11 and um that the people and the the yeah the people that were in that club sort of made me who I am and I've, I've thought about this a little bit like if that club rang me today I'm nearly 42 years old now I couldn't run out of sight in a dark night but if that club rings me today and says Nathan need you to run the 4 by 100 meters where a person down I've still got my uniform upstairs I'll put it. I'll put it on, and I'll run for that club because that that's my culture, and that's I've got a deep connection back to that. Um, that's how I feel about that club. And for a long time, I didn't. People go, "Where are you from?" I go, oh, "Bundaberg. It's a shithole." And but I don't do that anymore because there's a lot of people, and I think about when I used to say that. There's a lot of people there that love that town, and there's a sense of community there mm. which I don't feel in Brisbane I feel a sense of community here every time I go back there I feel a sense of community um, and my connection back back to that club so that that's my well, co I think community connection what sort of it, thing 
what it illustrates is that you have that connection because it's built upon a value system that was taught to you. Yeah. You have that connection to that place, that country, because that's where you call home. Yeah. And if you know those things about who you are and how that has shaped you and what value that has for you, then you won't be as quick to destroy that for someone no. else. I'm a bit embarrassed that I, I left that town and I came here and for 15 years, I, I'd, like I said to you, I'd, where were you from? Oh, Bundaberg. I, you know, it's a shithole. I don't, I don't, you know. And now I don't, like I said, I don't say that. I, I say I'm from Bundaberg and people go, oh, what a, what a shithole that is. And I'll go, well, it's not. There's mm. a community there. That's where I, that's where my, it's not my family, blood family, but my athletics family was from there. Yeah, and in ways they were more of a family yeah, to you. Yeah, and than... that, that's my connection yeah. to my, it's not a culture, but it's my, that's my culture. That's my connection back to mm. land. That's your identity. Yeah, that's so it's something. That's your place yeah. connection. Yeah. And those ties are strong. Yeah. For everyone, for Indigenous and non-Indigenous. But when we talk about Aboriginal spirituality, they run far deeper. But yeah. if you can at least acknowledge and respect that surface-level connection to place to your identity, to community, then you won't disrespect it for no. someone else. No, and I've never disrespected that place. But the other part I'm picking up on is that, you know, you, you feel a bit of shame of how you used to behave. Well, it's like Indigenous people, isn't well, it? Well, it's, it's, I was going to say, I think that speaks more about your journey. Yeah. And and that's really powerful because, you know, I, I think about the journey that I've been on and how I didn't understand things well and you, it doesn't necessarily reflect your true values, thoughts, behaviours, etc. But as you get older, if you can talk about those things and talk about your growth yeah, and, and how you used to accept that but now you don't, that's the, that's the learning journey. Yeah. And I think back to the way I first uh, taught as an educator versus if I step back into a classroom now, they would be worlds apart. The knowledge I now have compared to what I used to have, the understanding of different situations. And we collect those tools, those experiences, that level of expertise as we grow and mature, as we open ourselves up to diversity, as we add different roles. Like as a mother now, as a woman, as a Aboriginal woman, as a mother of a child with additional needs, they all give you different perspectives that you once didn't even consider yeah i get i get the connection now like now that i've moved away from my hometown i've got, been gone for 20 odd years now i still don't call brisbane home in a way like i don't have i don't really have a connection here at all mm. and i've been here 20 odd years 
it's just a place you come and work, make money and burn Exist. out, you know, and then get thrown on the the fire, you know. There's no, yeah, there's, it's just an existence. Whereas, yeah, I can feel what the Indigenous people might feel with a connection back to, back to your town. Our country. Yeah. And, and that's home for me. Yeah. Darug Nora. Yeah. Darug country. That, that's, that's my home. That's my land, my connection to my people. And there are Darug Iora, Darug people right across our globe. And there's strength in that. But there is a place that we all have in common, a thread that connects us all. So whilst we each are discovering who we are in our own identity and our place within communities, we also have that commonality, that, yeah. that place where we each belong. And I don't think that's just Indigenous people. I think... Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are just more aware of that and value that higher. Yeah. Because there's more priority given to that. And quite frankly, there should be. Yeah. That's where we we get our strength from. That's where we get our health and well-being from. But you've got to start somewhere. And so for allies, you know, a good place to start is discovering who you are, what makes you you, that identity your connection to place and also your connection to community. Yeah, of course. You know. I feel like even our, like when we go back to Bundaberg, we don't go there much. We go to Harvey Bay and Bachelor Country, but um, our son always wants to go back to where I came from. Do, do you see the, the correlation there, like the connection... The, that's what the Indigenous people have as well, the connection Absolutely. with their family. This is in our DNA. Yeah, he, he wants to come back to my country, mm. which I don't think that's the right term because it's not Well, it's my, where you grew up yeah. on. It's your place. But he, he always wants to go back. Oh, is that where you used to ride your bikes? Oh, is that where you used to live? Oh, Dad, what's that there? And, like, it's pretty good. This is what is often difficult for people to understand these things are passed down through the generations from ancestor to ancestor through our DNA and connection to each other. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to. And, and like, I've seen um, stuff on, on TV and, and documentaries saying that. It was more, it's not a written down on a bit of paper but it was more the memories mm -hmm. and the talking of those memories that are passed down yeah and my son's heard that about my hometown absolutely so then he wants to see the memories and the connection so now he has a connection and he said he said himself oh if i if i had to live anywhere in the world i'd live in bundaberg mm -hmm. I'm like why would you want to live there oh it's just just so old and like you know good memories and stuff I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. I'm like, I would probably pick somewhere else, but, you know, <laughs> like, he, yeah, he just wants to emulate what, I suppose, his father's done in a way. Yeah. Well, as humans, we're built upon connection. Yeah. Connection to self, connection to country, connection to community. 
And if you think about those three elements, that's where you get strength from. Yeah. That's where you get well-being and health and vitality. You have a sense of belonging. Yeah. It's our need as human beings. Yeah, of course. You know? So I guess um, the final thing, because uh, we did actually want to try and keep this a short one so that you can listen in the car and most people travel around 40 minutes. Um, but that final thing is challenging all our listeners to continually self-reflect on, of course, their identity, their place, their purpose, but on your intentions and your relationships with people, between people. And so I asked, you know, a few questions. Are you continually doing the work? Are you paying tribute to the marathon rather than the sprint? Because it's a long process. We talked about our own journeys, you know, just last episode, and then you've spoken a little bit more about it today, Nath. It's a long, ongoing process. Yeah, it's been a 20-odd-year 20, 20 process. Are you putting people first over a task or completion or key performance indicators or perceptions? As Aboriginal people, we're circle people. And what I mean by that is when we come together in a yarning circle, the reason it's a circle and not a square or a triangle is because we each bring our own power, we each bring our own responsibilities, which add to the collective. We collaborate. A circle has no points. It's an ongoing connection. Yeah, there's no sitting at the end of the table, is there? No. Nope. Like, there's no king, queen. No. And we know 101 of leadership is to, in a Western world, is people. Yeah. Prioritising people. The next question I ask is, are you really seeing with open heart, open mind, listening with your whole body for all the inequalities that exist? and continue to exist, particularly for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, are you aware of those systemic barriers? And then how do you know? What evidence are you using? Are you just continuing to perpetuate the same inequalities because that's the way it's always done or that's the way it's accepted? Or are you challenging the status quo? Because I'm telling you now for our people, the current state of affairs is not working. No, we've spoken about that multiple times now. And, yeah, I don't... Unless people challenge that, allies, I suppose, challenge Mm -hmm. it as well, and we've got no chance of change, really, do we? No. No, not at all. Um, second last question are you surrounded by diverse voices that challenge your beliefs your behaviours and your worldviews 
You will not understand a life lived different to your own unless you are surrounded by people who do things differently to you. Yeah. Well, I think that's going up to... Um, <clears throat> you don't have to go on to country to do that, do you? Like, like I said, take... If you take a three or four hour drive up into <clears throat> where I'm from in Bundaberg from Brisbane mm. or to Harvey Bay, Bachelor Country, wherever, people are different. People are not so much worried about the dollar. They don't live these expensive lives and they're happy to stop in the street and talk to you. Yeah. I don't find that in Brisbane at all. No. It's just a metropolitan area that... Everyone's rushed. Yeah, they're just like, got to get the train, got to get in the car, I've got to beat peak hour. Yeah. I've got to get my kids to sport. Nothing's ever enough here. No. But you go up there, it's just... There's, there's no peak hour. There's no Russian... To the get... concept of time is different. Yeah, time, different time slows down, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they... Oh, but you just got to walk in the street and someone will stop you. Hmm. Oh, hey, oh, mate, how's your day been? Like, but even, you know, smiling to people as they walk past. Yeah. Yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, and so there's that prioritisation of community and people there. Yeah, you can just, you can learn a bit by going to a regional town, to be honest. Yeah, or just going to a place that is unfamiliar to you and really looking and listening and, and feeling yeah the differences so the last question is probably the the most important one and that's are you uncomfortable because if you're not uncomfortable you're not doing the work yeah. you're not doing what is needed to stop the perpetuation of what has been done to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So if you are not uncomfortable in that space, you're not doing the work. Yeah, not talking about having a sore back uncomfortable. No, it's that to gut uncomfortable learning that challenges your views on things that... Yeah makes you question who you are and what has shaped you to this point. Yeah. And what the foundation of your knowledge has been to this point. That's the uncomfortableness we're talking about. Yeah. If you are continuing to do what you've always done, then you will continue to get the same results. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I suppose... From here, we'll wrap it up, mm -hmm. and that's pretty much done for our alloy yep. ship and all that sort of stuff. Um, I suppose we work out next week or during the week what we're going to talk about next mm -hmm. time, but it'll be what something, our gears. something completely different. Yep. So, would you like to say goodbye, Tim? Yanu Nabawanya. See you later. Um, hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Yanu. Yanu.